be student of the month. I see some proud parents in the uh, gallery this morning. <clears throat> snow this morning. How many of y'all saw the snow? I'm dreaming of a white. It wasn't very white. It was just kind of, and it went away. I was praying for snow about this deep is what I was praying for. I must not have prayed long enough or hard enough or been spirit-filled or something or another because it didn't happen. But it was fun while it lasted. Beautiful sunrise in my front yard this morning. I thank the Lord for the privilege of being saved. Amen. Serving the Lord. And um, this morning we're going to read uh, two verses out of Revelation and then we're going to bounce around a little bit. Okay. And uh, I've got four points. Brother, Brother Caleb, they're not alliterated, so I don't know if God can use it or not. What do you think? You think God can use it without it being alliterated? I know he can. Yeah. How many of you young people know what alliterated means? Trenton, what's alliterated? Just keep it short. Yeah. What's it mean, alliterated? Huh? Start with the same letter. Start with the same letter. Look at there. The girls behind you just smoked you on that definition right there. Starts with the same letter. Yeah, it's alliterated. And I, I love to preach alliterated outlines, and it just comes to me easy. And sometimes uh, I'm like, nah, it's not a big deal. So this morning, they're not alliterated, but they will still preach. Okay? I just thought I would mention that up front so nobody came to me after the service and said, Preacher, your messages, your outline, your points didn't match. I know. And I don't care. Um, <laughs> But I do want to, this morning, uh, challenge you about something that I think would help you, a uh, very important subject. When you find your place in Revelation, stand. Some of you are still looking for it. It's the last book in the Bible, right before the maps. Revelation chapter number four. Is it cold in here or is it just me? It is cold. Speaking of snow, it feels like it's snowing in here. Man, and the, the heat's on. It's just not being able to keep up with the cold outside. Um, Revelation 4 and verse number 10, the Bible says the four and 20 elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, verse 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Look at the next chapter, chapter number five. Look what the Bible says. Verse number 11, and beheld, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessed, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and under the lamb forever and ever. I want to preach this morning on this thought. God deserves our best. God deserves our best. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. As we look at several places in the Bible, may this message find a lodging place in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing 
You can be seated. So in the two verses that we just read, chapter four, verse 11, and chapter five, verse number 12, we find the word worthy. Worthy is the lamb. Thou art worthy, O Lord. That word worthy comes from the word worth, okay? We judge something by its worth. There was a, there was a, um, a, a, a television show uh, some time back. I saw a little clip somewhere randomly where the host of the television show, and there was this big audience, and they had a, um, they had a, 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 a jewelry diamond specialist with one of those little machines where they press it to the diamond and they can tell if it's a real diamond or if it's not. And uh, they were asking for volunteers, which of, you, which of you ladies in the audience would like to find out if the ring you got from your husband is real or not? Of course, there was these women that had their hands up and the men beside them were very nervous. Make a long story short, turns out some of these women had received a fake ring from their boyfriend when they got engaged and they didn't know it and they were not happy. Some of them were getting up, taking them off, throwing them at him, walking out. It was bad. It was bad. Why? Because they found out that their ring that they had been wearing with so much pride and joy wasn't worth as much as they thought it was. Because worth matters. Value matters. Any of you boys collect baseball cards? There's a few of you have baseball cards. And you know what you're doing? You're collecting these baseball cards and your hope and your prayer is that somehow or another you can buy a $200,000 baseball card for 50 cents, huh? Is that kind of the goal? You're hoping that one day one of your cards will be worth something. And we could just go on and on and on. Worth matters. Well, the Bible tells us that the Lord is worthy. Chapter four, verse 11. The Bible says in verse 12, they were singing a song, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. So if the word worthy comes from the word worth, let's just go ahead this morning and start the message out by making one thing very clear. God is the best. Okay. God is the best. In fact, I was reading uh, Genesis 15 this morning. I won't read the whole chapter, but it's awesome because it's really the first, one of the first recorded songs, if not the first recorded song that we have in the Bible. This was after the, the children of Israel came through the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his armies tried to follow and God let them all get drowned in the Red Sea. And they started singing a song in Exodus 15 and verse number 11. Here's what they said. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the small g gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, Doing wonders. Who is like unto thee? Well, the answer to that is none. There's none like unto thee. In fact, in Psalm chapter 35, verse number 10, David said, all my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivereth the poor from him that is too strong for him. Yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. Psalm 71, verse 19, thy righteousness also, O Lord, is very high. Who hath done great things, O God? Who is like unto thee? Psalm 113, verse number five, who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? First Chronicles chapter 17 and verse number 20 says, O Lord, there is none like thee, neither is there any God 
beside thee according to all that we have heard with our ears. I promise you the children of Israel had heard about a lot of gods, amen. They had no doubt heard about all the gods, the false gods of all the Philistines and the Amorites and the Ammonites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Termites and the electric lights. They had heard about all these false gods and they said, out of all the gods that we've heard about, none of them come close to matching the goodness of our God. Our God's the best. So my point this morning is this, if our God is the best, then our God deserves the best. Our God deserves our very best. I'm getting constant text messages and emails from Brother Garraway telling me about what God is doing in India over there. And I've just been amazed at the testimonies and the preachers over there, the pastors are going into these towns. These pastors are going into these towns and passing out flyers and gathering people up and showing this Redeeming Hope film and people are getting saved by the hundreds and then they're starting churches and they're, they're discipling them. And, and, and interestingly enough, Brother Leto, that film is in the Telugu language. And the Principles of Growth Discipleship book that we use here at our church has also been translated into the Telugu language. And that missionary, that church planner over there is making that discipleship book available to all these pastors. And so folks are getting saved from the film and then they're turning right around and now they're gonna be using the discipleship book to disciple them and start churches and grow their churches. That's an amazing story. But what's been amazing to me is how many testimonies these people have given. Of course, after the film, he's just walking around with a recorder and he's saying, would you tell us what God did for you? Would you just share what God did for you? And the testimonies are unbelievable. But many of them refer to the fact that of all the gods that they've heard about and all the gods that they've been worshiping and all the gods that they know about, they did not know about our God. And when they found out about our God, you know what they said? We don't want our gods anymore. We want this God. We want the God that died for us. We want the God that loves us. We want the God that can deliver us out of our addictions. We want the God that can help us with our drugs and our alcohol. We want the God that can help my husband not be abusive to his wife and kids anymore. I mean, the testimonies are unbelievable. And you know what it all points to? Our God's the best. Our God's the best. And I wanted to say this morning, if our God is the best, and he is the best, he deserves our best. I've got four things I want to show you this morning that I believe would help you. Number one, God deserves our best years. Our best years. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number one. The Bible says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Lamentations chapter three and verse number 27 says, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth, serving God while you're young. Should not wait till we're old. Shouldn't wait till you're worn out. Shouldn't wait uh, till you're decrepit before you start giving God what's left of your life. Give him your best years. Give him your, give him God the best years of your life when you're sharp and when you're smart and when learning comes easy. Are y'all listening to me? Give God the best of your life, the best years of your life when you're strong and when you're healthy and when you can do more and you can last longer. Give God the best years 
of your life. It seems to me the devil robs so many people of their best years. By the way, getting saved when you're young and serving God when you're young makes for a lot of great memories. Makes for a whole lot less regrets. I mean, I, I, I hear stories and I, I listen to all these older people, many of them testify they got saved in their, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s or whatever. By the way, it's rare. The older you get, the less people get saved in their older years. They still can. They still do. We had a couple of our folks visiting one of our ladies in the hospital. She's in the hospital right now going into rehab today, I believe it is. I don't know how old she is, Sister Jenny Nichols. She just got saved a week or two ago. And God's been merciful. God's been wonderful to let her live that long. Even as a, a going to church without being saved. But it's rare for older people to get saved. But the blessing is when you get saved when you're young, you have such so much potential to be able to do even more for God. And I just preached this two weeks ago about some things a child can know. Uh, but this morning, I just want to say, give God your best years. Don't give the devil your teens and your 20s and your 30s. And then once you realize that, that you made the wrong decision, then give God the broken pieces that are left. Give God the best years of your life. He deserves your best. He's worthy of your best. I have no regrets that I have tried to serve the Lord my whole life. I mean, every day I wake up and I realize I'm getting older. I'm not old yet. I'm not saying that. Don't get ahead of me. Don't say amen. I'm not old. I'm older. I have aches and pains in places that I didn't know why I had places. I pull muscles while I'm sleeping. They explain that to me. I don't know what I'm dreaming about, but when I wake up in the morning, I feel like I've been playing basketball for three hours. <sighs> wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, take your ibuprofen and start your day. Amen. There comes a day when you're not going to be able to do what you would like to do. I was watching Brother, uh, Brother Bittner Sunday night walk into the pulpit with his bad knees. He's got that cane and just watching him walk hurts me. And if you were to ask him, how would you like to be young again? How would you like to be young again and have the health and the strength? He would probably start crying and say, I'd give anything to have the strength and be able to have the health to be able to live for God and serve God. The day's going to come when you're not going to be able to do what you can do now. Take advantage of it. Give God your best years. Don't give the devil your best years. Don't give him all of your attention, all of your time, and, and, and all, of your, all of your devotion. And then when you get older, say, well, when I get older, I'm going to serve God. No, serve him now. He deserves your best years. But secondly, God deserves our best offering. Our best offering. Now, I'm keeping this in a general sense. I'm not talking about your tithes. I'm not talking about what you put in an envelope. I'm talking about just your offering and your sacrifice in general. Whatever it is that you give to God would fall into this category. But in Numbers chapter 18, I want you to turn. You can lose your place in Revelation. Go back to the beginning of the Old Testament over to the book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers chapter 18. Just in this one chapter, I want you to notice something. Just in this one chapter... How many times God emphasized to the children of Israel that they should give their very best to God. Genesis, uh, Numbers chapter 18, 
Look at verse number, um, verse number 11. Are you there? And this is thine, the heave offering of their gift with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them unto thee and to thy sons and to thy daughters with thee by a statute forever. Everyone that is clean in thy house shall eat of it. Look at verse number 12. All the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the wheat and the first fruits of them which thou shalt offer unto the Lord, them have I given thee. That's in verse number 12. Look down at verse number 29. Out of all of your gifts, you shall offer every heave offering of the Lord, of all the best thereof, even the hallowed part thereof, out of it. Look at verse number 30. Therefore, thou shalt say unto them, when you have heaved the best thereof from it, then it shall be counted unto the Levites as the increase of the threshing floor and as the increase of the wine press. Look at verse 32. And you shall bear no sin by reason of it. When you have heaved from it the best of it, neither shall ye pollute the holy things of the children of Israel, lest ye die. So right there in this one chapter, talking about these one heave offerings, we find no less than four times God was very specific. I want you to give your best, your very best. God's not interested in the leftovers. God's not interested in you using the best for yourself and giving God what's left over. God wants the very best. In Malachi chapter number one, I want you to look at this. Malachi chapter number one, this is the last book in the Old Testament, right before we get to the book of Matthew. I want you to notice something, young people. In Malachi chapter number one, God takes great offense. It is an insult to God. It is an insult to the best God that there is when we do not give him our best. Look at what it says in Malachi chapter number one and verse number six. If you're there, say amen. amen. A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? That word fear means reverence or respect. Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest, that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? That word despise means to look down on or to think little of. In other words, it's the opposite of worth. Okay? We've already established that God is worthy. Have we not? We've already established that he's worthy because of his worth. But they said we despise thy name, meaning we don't recognize your worth. We look down on you. We think it's not that big of a deal. We're, 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 we're not excited about it. And look at what it says. They said, wherein have we despised thy name? How, how can you say we've despised your name, God? How could you say that we've not respected you? How could you say we've not reverenced you? How could you say we've not feared you? How could you say that we are minimizing the goodness of God? He said in verse number seven, because ye offered polluted bread upon mine altar. And you said, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? They were bringing blind animals and offering them on the sacrifice altar. And if ye offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? He said, do you not understand what a disrespect it is to God for you to offer up a sacrifice 
these little lambs or these little goats or whatever animals that you're offering, the ones that are blind, I've been to the auction with Brother David Young. Brother David Young's got a lot of cows. He, he, he has cows and he's got fields full of cows. And, but he has this little thing he does on the side where he'll go to the cattle auction and he will buy cows that are sick. We were sitting around the table talking about this up in Maine. Brother Del Massingale says, I tell you, he said, Brother David buys cows. I wouldn't have them on my property. I mean, he buys cows that are so sick, they can't hardly get on the trailer at the auction. I'm talking about lead them up the chute and they can't hardly get up on the trailer. It's only about that high off the ground. They're so weak and they're sick and they're deformed and nobody wants them. But he'll buy them cheap. I mean, real cheap. And he'll feed them for a few weeks, give them some shots, give them all kinds of medicine and everything, and they'll get better and they'll gain some weight. And then he will sell them to the, to the beef houses and, and, and make money. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Brother Massengill was laughing. He said, I guarantee you whoever eats those meats, whoever eats that steak won't never get sick. There's so much penicillin in that meat. He said, you won't ever get sick for the rest of your life. He shoots them up with all kinds of stuff and gets them better. But I've been with him when he bought some of these cows. And I'm thinking, man, that's a pitiful looking cow right there. Eyes all swole up and stuff running out of them. Sores on them. Uh, their bones are sticking out. I mean, they're rough. They're ugly. Nobody else wants them. Well, guess what? These were the kind of sacrifices they were bringing to God. They were bringing the crippled and the lame and the blind animals and they were offering them to God. And God said, is it not evil? Can you not see how wrong this is? He says in verse number eight, offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? He says, I'll tell you what you do. You have a big banquet and you bring the governor in and you bring that, you bring that lamb or that goat or that calf. You bring it by him before you take it out back and kill it and cook it. And you let him see what he's fixing to eat. And you tell me he's going to be happy with that. Huh? That's what he says, offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Absolutely not. What am I saying? I'm saying God deserves our best when it comes to what we give him. Are y'all still with me? This ain't over y'all's head, is it? <laughs> he goes on and says, and now I pray you, verse nine, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us this hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons? Saith the Lord of hosts, who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun and even in the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even as meat, is contentable. You said also, behold, what a weirdness it is. And you've snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And you brought that which was torn and the lame and the sick, thus she brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand? Saith the Lord. God says, you've, you've looked down on the offering. You didn't even want to do it. You did it half-heartedly. You, you, you snuffed at it. You, it, you, it, was, it was a bother. It was a drag for you to make an offering and a sacrifice. And you were so 
unconcerned about the things of God that you just gave that which was torn and broken and lame and blind. God said, am I supposed to take that? Am I supposed to receive that? Let me explain something to you. Let me put this in perspective. When a person gets saved, they are broken and diseased and blind and naked. Are y'all still with me? When a person comes to Jesus to be saved, hey, he'll save anybody. And he will specialize in taking those broken pieces and those fragments that the devil has chewed up and spit out. And God can make that person whole again. And God can take that person and put their life back together again. That's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about a child of God offering to God that which is absolutely disgusting. And God said, I don't want it. I want your best. I don't want what even people don't want. I don't want what even the governor wouldn't want. I will not accept what even sinful man would not accept. I've got a higher standard of what I want from you. I want your very best. God deserves our best offering. Thirdly, God deserves our best effort. Our best effort. Well, we could preach for about a month right here. You mamas and daddies ought to be hollering amen on this point right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Can I tell you something this morning, young people? God deserves your best effort. I don't care if it's making your bed. I started to ask for a show of hands this morning, but I wouldn't want anybody to lie in church. I wonder how many of you made your bed this morning before you left your room. I won't stick your hand up. I wonder how many of you cleaned your room up this morning. I don't care if it's making your bed, cleaning your room, raking the leaves in the yard, washing the dishes. I don't care what it is. Your schoolwork. Oh, yeah, we're in school this morning, I believe. Are we in school? We're in school. Y'all are at school. You're going to walk out of here and you're going to go sit down at the desk and you're going to do schoolwork. God deserves your best effort. When you're doing your homework, when you're doing your homework, how many of you love, you just absolutely love homework? Raise your hand. I've got to preach online next week. When you do your homework, do you do your best? Or do you just run real through it real fast just so you can get finished? Handwriting, handwriting. Do you write your best? Do you write your best? Upstairs, downstairs, basement? Huh? So the teacher can read it? Or does it look like a chicken scratched it out? You're handwriting your best. Your schoolwork should be your best. Neat and clean. Your desk should be clean and neat. Can I get a witness? You teachers ought to help me out right now. I'm trying to help you out. Your desk, some of y'all's desk, looks like a, looks like a Salvation Army threw up. <laughs> Just papers everywhere and junk everywhere and pencils and, and rulers and, and stuff everywhere. And your desk looks like a bomb went off. 
don't know how you get anything done sitting in that mess. You don't. You can't. Neat, clean. Y'all are looking at me like I just grew another nose. Organized. Turn your papers in and they're not all wadded up and folded over and they're clean and they're neat and you take pride in your work and you do your best. And when you're given an assignment, you do your best. And you're at home working on your project and you do your best. I've seen some of these projects. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are absolutely unbelievable. I'm looking at this going, how in the world did one of our students do something so amazing? And then I look at the other projects and I'm thinking, okay, bless their heart. <laughs> they didn't feel like doing it, so they got their cat to do it for them. God deserves your best. Are y'all listening to me? The best. Everything that you do in life, you should do it to the best of your ability. Starting when, when you get dressed. Some of you boys look like you just rolled out of bed when you come to, when you come to school. You got 47 cow licks. Your shirt's all wrinkled. Your socks don't match. Look like a hobo. Do your best. Get up in the morning. These boys are looking at me like they don't have no idea what I'm talking about. You won't get married till you're 40 years old and you're going to have to find a blind woman to marry her. Somebody don't care what you look like. Do your best, your best effort. When you're given an assignment, do your best. How many of you helped clean the cafeteria after lunch? Raise your hand. Yeah, you or nay? Simple question. I've seen the table after some of y'all get finished wiping it off. It looks like you took the trash can and dumped it on the table after you got done. There's more trash and food in those little grooves and in those little cracks than there was when you started. Sweeping the floor, mopping the floor. Let me, let me give you a little pointer. Next time you sweep the floor, use a broom. And a dustpan. Not your foot. I'm finished. Finished? There's food everywhere. I did my best. Bless your heart. Do your best. On everything. Because when you get older, it's going to matter. Your job is going to matter. Do you know how many people get fired every day because they don't do a good job? They can't keep a job. Because they was learning when they were young, they learned to just do whatever. And they didn't have a high standard in their life of excellence. The looks on some of y'all's faces right now is priceless. Half-hearted labor is a sign of disrespect. Half-hearted effort. Answer all the questions. Do all the assignment. Most young people do about 75% of what they're told to do and try to get away with the other 25% not being done and thinking nobody will notice or that it's close enough. That's close enough. I tell you what you do in the business world. You try that and see how long you have a job. You get a job at Chick-fil-A and only make the sandwich 75% of the way. Yeah, you got to do it all. You got to do it all. You got to do it right with a smile. My pleasure. Jesus had an example of doing his best 
And he had an urgency and a seriousness about his work. I'm giving you this on purpose. John 9, 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He had a sense of urgency and seriousness about the work that God had given him. And what was the result? What was his testimony? What was his reputation? What did the people around him say about his work? Well, in Mark chapter 7, verse number 37, the Bible says they were beyond measure astonished saying he hath done all things well. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you did something and the people around you were beyond measure astonished at how good you did it? Is our God the best? Yes, sir. And he deserves your best. God's never done anything for you half-hearted. God's never done anything for you with a, with a complacent and an and a, and a, and a attitude of I don't care whether or not it's right. Everything God has ever done for me and done for you, it was perfect and it was good and it was right. And we deserve to do our very best, give him our very best. The apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter number five and verse nine and 10, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're going to give an account to God for what we do. Are y'all listening to me? It's going to be serious one day. It's going to be serious. Let me give you one more point. Y'all got time for one more point? Or do y'all need to go back and study math? Number four, God deserves our best love. Our best love. Love. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Watch this. With all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. He deserves our best love. Now in Matthew 24, 12, he said, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. In Revelation chapter 2, talking to the church at Laodicea, he said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first Love. And he said, I want your best love, your first love. I want your fervent love, your passionate love. I don't want a half-hearted love. I want your best love. You know, I look at my relationship with God. I realize that sometimes I allow things to get in the way. Anybody else beside me, raise your hand and say, preacher, sometimes I let things get in the way. You know what? He loves us with his best love. He loved us enough to send his son, Jesus Christ. He gave his best. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his best out of love for us. Why can't we love him with our very best? Put him first. Make sure that he's at the top of the list. Make sure that we seek to please him in all that we do. Quit worrying about pleasing your friends and quit worrying about looking good to all of your friends. Why don't you worry about what God thinks and love him and put him at the first. He is our best. Revelation said he's worthy of honor and riches and glory and power and strength. He's worthy of everything that we have. He's worthy. He's worth it. He's worth it. I'm afraid if I love the Lord with all my heart and my soul, I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on some things in life. It's kind of the point. <laughs> What's that song the young people sing? I missed out. I missed out on the heartache, living my life in sin. I missed out 
on the sorrow of facing this world without him. Have no regrets for the things that I missed. For down deep inside me, truth was and is, every day that I live, thank God for what I've missed. Loving God that you miss out on a whole lot of bad stuff. Keep him first in your life. He deserves your very best. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, pianist is coming. I wonder if there'd be somebody who slip out of their seat and get in the altar. And maybe this morning you need to just talk to God about your attitude toward him. Maybe you have not been first with your love. Maybe you have not given your best effort, your best offering. There might be somebody here who says, I'm going to wait till I get older before I serve the Lord. I'm going I'm to do my thing for a while. And when I get... When I get all that out of my system, then I'm going to turn my heart and attention to God. No, give him your best years. The best days of your life are right now.